Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. We started last week and we talked about three truths that we see from the first um, 13 verses there in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Just a, a brief recap from last week if you weren't here. We were in 2 Chronicles 20 and King Jehoshaphat had just finished uh, being in a battle that he really wasn't supposed to be in, but God delivered them anyway, and they came back, and they're you know, t- tired and worn out from this battle. God gave grace, and as he's back and returned from this battle, beginning of chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, uh, we see that his messengers come to him and say, hey, King Jay, all these enemies, the Ammonites, the Moabites, they're all on their way to attack and destroy us and our people, the people of God, the children of Israel. They're on their way to defeat us, to attack us, uh, uh, to attack our kingdom. So that's a big deal. And we talk about when life doesn't make sense, when difficulty arises into our lives. That's a big difficulty for King Jehoshaphat there in the people of God. What does he do? It says that he feared. It says that he prayed. He had all the people, the, the men, women, and children come and gather around. And he probably stood up there on a, a platform or at, in the palace, in the kingdom there. And, and he prayed and, and reminded God of his goodness and how he'd taken care of their fathers and grandfathers and, and people like that. And how God would never let them down. And he, at the end of this prayer, he says, we don't have... We have no might against this great company. He said, we, 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 we don't have the strength to defeat them. They're, they're bigger than us. We're all tired. And he says, neither know we what to do. He said, God, we don't have the strength to defeat them, and we don't even know what to do, but our eyes are upon me. But our eyes are upon thee. And in that moment, it says that the children of Israel lifted their eyes, stood together as families, and lifted their eyes towards heaven, towards God. Saying, what, what's, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? And we saw the three truths from last week. Life not making sense is going to come. That was the first point. It's going to enter our lives. Difficulties, challenges, trials. We are all going to face these things. We are all going to have difficulty. Life for all of us at some point is just not going to make sense. It's not going to come together like we thought it was supposed to. It's not going to make sense. Also, it, it will trigger a response. We're going to respond to life not making sense in some way. Whether we rely on God or rely on self or pout or, or, or fall into depression or, or anxiety enters and riddles it, whatever it may be, life not making sense will trigger a response. But the last point we talked about, which is what King Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel did, was life not making sense is an opportunity to worship. It's an opportunity to worship, and we saw them do that together. So we're continuing in the same passage from last week, Second Chronicles 20, and we see God's response to the prayer of the king and the people of Judah. When Jehoshaphat finishes his prayer, we see their response. So we, we left them in verse 13, saying this, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And that's where we left them last week, an opportunity to worship, looking to God uh, for answers, realizing their weakness. We have no might against the great company. Realizing their lack of knowledge of what to do. Neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon me. Even with all those unknowns in their lives, they were resting in God. So let's read the next few verses and stop each time we read a scripture and kind of go through the truths that we can see for it in our lives. Verse 14, so they 
John Spat finishes his prayer. All the people are standing there. Eyes towards heaven. Try to picture it in your mind, church, this morning. Try to, try to be there in this story. And you're standing there, and all the people are around, and the enemy's on its way to attack, to kill, to destroy. And they say, God, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon thee. And here's what happens in verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So God begins to speak through this prophet Jehaziel right from the crowd, right from the people here. One of these uh, Levites, one of these uh, uh, preacher type people in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God comes upon him and God begins to speak to them. And I love this. I love this, how this happens. They finish their prayer. They're waiting for God. They're, they're, they're finishing praying, and they're lifting their eyes towards God. I love this because God starts speaking, and God begins to talk. We're going to see what he says in just a moment. He starts comforting his people. He begins to give answers to their problems while they're still standing there praying, while they're still there with their eyes lifted towards heaven. The truth is, church, sometimes God, in his wisdom, makes us wait for an answer to our prayers. I've been there. He makes me, you know, you pray for something and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. But sometimes he continues the conversation immediately. Sometimes while you're praying and, and while you're asking God, he begins to give peace. He begins to give the answer. He begins to speak to your heart immediately. And this is what happens here. Sometimes his voice speaks in the middle of our prayers. And what a blessing that is. What does he say to the people of Judah? Look what he says. Verse 15. And he said, this is God speaking to his people who are worried, who are stressed, who are wondering what's going to happen. We don't know what to do. Verse 15. He said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. What a great truth that is. He says, listen, don't worry about the big multitude, the great multitude that's there coming against you. The battle is not yours, but God's. The first response we see earlier in the chapter of King Jehoshaphat when he gets this bad news of the enemy, his first response is said, Jehoshaphat feared. And then he set himself to seek the Lord. But he feared. It's, man, that's, that's a big deal. He feared. He was afraid. And God's first response back to King Jehoshaphat in the scriptures, he says, be not afraid. And that's where some of you are today. Some of you are in that zone of fear. You are living a life of fear. When life doesn't make sense, when difficulty comes, it often brings fear. Fear will come, but it mustn't control you. I, I would be lying if I said over the last six months, as we're trying to find a house for my family to live and trying to come up with money to, to have a that I wasn't a little fearful and stressed out sometimes, many times. And oftentimes, unfortunately, I let that fear control me. And it affected my mood. It affected my choices. It affected my decisions. Fear may enter your heart's door, but it mustn't rule your emotions. Fear may show up in life, but it shouldn't stick around because Christ is greater than our fear. He, his death and resurrection defeated the power of fear. We, don't, we no longer have to be ruled by fear. It doesn't have to control us. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There are times that fear creeps into my life as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. Even now, like I just mentioned, amidst all this moving situation for us. I mean, there was a time two, three weeks ago, we have to work, we're going to be moving out this Friday of our house, and we have somewhere, praise the Lord. But two, three weeks ago, we didn't have anywhere. And I still knew we had to be out by the 30th. And I was like, man, what are we going to do? We could, nothing was coming together. I got four children. We got people around. I'm like, what are we going to do? 
And I was, man, that's, that's, that comes into my life. But the truth is, we can live life, we can move forward without being afraid because we know that God is in control. God said to his people, don't, don't be afraid of this great multitude. Don't be dismayed by this great group of people coming to attack you. The battle's not yours, it's, it's mine. It's not your battle, church. The situation in your life, life not making sense, the challenge, listen, it's not yours, it's God's battle. Why would they be afraid of a battle that doesn't belong to them? So God's saying, don't be afraid. It's, it's not your battle, it's my battle. The enemy was coming to destroy them. Uh, they didn't plan this out. They didn't know this was going to happen. They weren't ready for this. They didn't ask for it. And God said, this is my battle, not yours. So the question for you today, church, is why would you, in 2022, why would you be afraid of a battle that isn't even yours to fight? God is saying there's no reason to be afraid. Growing up in school, it was very rare as a kid for my parents to take my side when it came to the teachers in school. Anybody else like that? I don't know, maybe it's changed now, but when I was a kid it was like, you know, it, it was, I went to a school with like 20 kids. I went to a small, tiny, private Christian school in a church basement. So it's not like we had this giant, all these hundreds of kids. I went to a tiny school. So news traveled fast. It was very, it wasn't, it was very hard to get lost in the shuffle, uh, like in a big public school. So, you know, something happened, people were gonna know. And I could have literally come home with a black eye and a fat lip and an actual picture of my teacher punching me in the face and my parents were like, well, we should really talk to her. We know how you can be sometimes, Donald, you know? Probably kind of how Darren was, right? When he was a kid, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was. It was like, we're gonna, well, we're gonna talk to your teachers, Donald. It's like, oh, okay, this is not gonna go well in my favor. But I will say, there was a few times as a kid when my dad or my mom knew that there was a misunderstanding and knew that I had been wronged. And there was maybe some miscommunication there. And, and, and they decided, and they made the choice to go in and, and stick up for me and defend their son. And, and, and on those days, which were rare, <laughs> but on those days, when I knew they had my back, I could walk into that principal's office, or I could walk into that office with my shoulders back, my chin up, and my chest out, because my dad was gonna deal with this. He was going to fix this. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to stand up for myself because my dad had my back. And in your life right now, church, you don't have to be afraid and fearful and controlled by fear of the battle you're facing because it belongs to your heavenly father. Just like my dad going to that office and saying, I don't have to worry about anything. I mean, he's got it. I can trust him. And you can trust your heavenly father with the battle that you're facing today. It may seem big. It's probably, it's definitely bigger than you. But because it's bigger than you, God is going to take care of it. There is no need for fear when the father is near. Can you, can you believe that truth? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hey, can we, there, there's no need for fear when the Father is near. Would you say that with me together? Here we go. There's no need for fear when the Father is near. Now, once more, like you're awake. Here we go. There's no need for fear when the Father is near. Hallelujah for that. Think about your life. Think about your battles. Life not making sense in your life. Some of you are there. And maybe, by the way, maybe nobody knows it. Maybe everybody else thinks your life's all put together and everything's great. But you know deep in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, things are not together. Things are not the way everybody thinks they are. And you're having a hard time and you're struggling. Remember this truth. Write it down. 
Put it in your phone. I don't care. There's no need for fear when the Father is near. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Moving on to the next verse. God is still speaking, by the way, here through the prophet. He says, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And he begins to give them, God begins to give them details of where the enemy will be and, and even when it will happen. And, and can I say this? We may not always know when God will deliver, but we must act in faith knowing that he will. Can I say that again? I want you to hear it. We may not always know when God will deliver, but we must act in faith and walk forward in faith knowing that he will deliver. The most important word, I think, in this verse is that first word, tomorrow. There, is a tomorrow, there was a tomorrow for their battle. God says, tomorrow, this is what's going to happen. Tomorrow, they're going to be here, you're going to go do this. Tomorrow. There's a tomorrow for your battle. It may not literally be tomorrow, but there's a tomorrow for your battle. Believe that. What God says next in the next verse is exactly what some of you need to hear today in your life for your situation. You need him to say this to you. And I believe this morning, through the word of God, he is speaking to you this morning, to your battle. And those who might be listening online at a later time, he's speaking to you in verse 17. Now, I'm sorry, this verse every time is so convicting and beautiful at the same time. And it says this, God is speaking, he says, you shall, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. He told them, not only does the battle not belong to you, but I don't even want you to fight in it. Now that's hard for us. He says to them, just face the battle, and I'll fight the battle. Just face the battle, and I'll take care of the rest. You just, you're there, it's there, I understand it's in your life, the battle is there, just face it, and I will fight it. And some of you are there today, you're in that zone, the battle's right in front of you, life doesn't make sense, it's frustrating, it's hard, it's painful, you hate it. And God is saying, stop fighting against everything. Listen, that's where, where, where I've been so many times, where some of you are maybe right now, fighting against every difficulty that comes your way, spending all your strength, spending all your energy on a battle that doesn't even belong to you, that you're not even supposed to fight in. And we're wasting energy, and we're wasting strength, and we're wasting our mental strength, and we're just so tired and depressed and worn out all the time because we're trying to take care of our problems on our own. And you're supposed to just face the, the battle and he'll fight the battle. You're fighting against fear. You're fighting against the shame of past regrets. Trying to fill in all the, you know, you've done so much in your past, and it, it haunts you so much that you're trying to make up for it now, so much so that you don't feel bad, but you, you still do. You still are ruled by that shame. Even after all the great things you've done, after all that, it still seems to control you. You're fighting against insecurities. You're fighting against a foe that has already been defeated. The cross of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel defeated the power of sin. It crushed the weight of shame. And yet, and yet we're still ruled by it. We're still under that weight. Why are you fighting a battle that's already been won? And we're sitting there just punching the air, wasting energy. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop punching the air and start praising the victorious king. 
Man, some of us live such stressed out lives. We live so stressed. We're fighting battles that you're not supposed to fight. And by the way, can I say that there are times when God does call us to fight. He gives us spiritual weapons. We talk about the armor of God and things like that. I'm not saying that every single time, but there, are, there definitely are times when he gives us the strength and uh, obedience. We fight and there's spiritual weapons for victory through him. I understand that we don't just sit on our hands all the time, but not when the battle is bigger than us. Not when the battle's way too big for us. It's, it's like some of us live like we're constantly under, underwater. We're constantly underwater and and, and we're holding our breath, and, and we come up for air every once in a while because we're about to die, about to lose, about to pass out. Maybe you, you hear a good song, a good Christian song that encourages your heart, or you have a nice phone call with a friend, or you see a nice encouraging Facebook post, and you feel a little bit better for a moment, but then you fall right back into discouragement and depression and fear and anxiety. You're good for a minute, and you think that that's true victory, then you fall right back into it. it, it you really think that that's the life that God wants us to live? Constantly just <gasps> gasping for air and then falling back underwater? That is not the will of God for your life. That is not the will of God for my life. It is only through Jesus Christ, through our Savior, that you can have peace in the midst of the battle. Just because God is fighting the battle, though, doesn't mean that we get to stay home. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. God, in His grace, allows us to have a part. Verse 18. So God has spoken to his people and says, it's my battle, not yours. You don't even need to fight in this battle. Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. These people begin to worship God. Before the victory has been won, the enemy is still on its way. The battle is still in front of them. And yet they are praising. They begin to shout praise while the enemy is still on the way to destroy. Believing what God says always turns fear into faith and it turns worry into worship. That's what believing what God says does. It turns fear, amen, it turns fear into faith. It turns worry into into worship. Abraham on the mountain with his son Isaac getting ready to sacrifice him in the Old Testament. God said, I want you to do this. It's a test of faith. He believed the promises of God. God said, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to be a father of many nations. But now God wants me to sacrifice my son. This is Abraham. But what does he do? He continues to walk in faith. He ties up his son, lifts the knife to slay his son, to kill his son, to sacrifice him because he believes that that's what God wants. He believes God that even though he may sacrifice his son, that God is still going to make a way against his own fear. I mean, that's, that's believing what God says. What a, what a picture of faith. And some of you are waiting for your difficulty to disappear before you worship. You're praying, God, deliver this. Lord, give me a house. <laughs> Lord, give me somewhere to live. God, help my kids. God, help my job situation. Lord, help my marriage, whatever it may be. And you're waiting for the answer to come. You're waiting for the problem to dissolve. You're waiting for the relationship to be fixed. You're waiting for whatever it may be, the answer to your prayer before you begin to worship, before you praise, while God is waiting for you to worship anyway, to say hallelujah anyway, so he can show you the victory. Even, there's a beautiful song right now that just came out called Hallelujah Anyway. Even if my daylight never dawns, even if my breakthrough never comes. I'm going to say hallelujah anyway. 
And that's what God's waiting. He's waiting for you to worship. He has an answer. He has a plan. His timing is perfect. His way is perfect. We must worship him through it all from the beginning to the end. We see in the next few verses, verse 20, and they rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when, look at this. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness. Now watch this. As they went out before the army, and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. What comes out first in a battle usually? Man, the big guns. The, the... No, 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 not, not here. No, King Jehoshaphat appoints singers to praise God in a battle. Okay, they're not sitting at the house, you know, singing Kumbaya and, and praying. No, they're, they're out on the front lines. On the front lines, with no archers, no horsemen, no, no chariots, no worshipers and singers going out to face the enemy head on, praising God. God. God said, I'll do the fighting. You just need to worship. And some of us, we're in the middle of a battle with the wrong weapon. We're in the middle of our life not making sense and challenges and difficulties. Our battles with the wrong weapons. We're making choices and decisions in life based on our fear, based on our worry, and we scramble around in our own power and abilities trying to, to fix a problem, to get more money, to get a better job, to fix our marriage, to restore our relationships, all these different things. And by the way, working at the job and, 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 and working overtime or reaching out to someone, if there's, if there's, you know, isn't a bad thing, those are all good things, but I'm saying a life led by worry, a life of choices based on worry and fear is a life that is not led by the Spirit of God. God is not calling us to live our lives based on worry and fear. And all of our choices are based on anxiety and I'm stressed and I'm worried. By the way, I've been there. I'm, I was there probably yesterday making decisions based on, oh, what's going to happen? I've got to fix this. Listen, the scriptures say in Philippians 4, what does he say? Be careful for nothing. That word careful means anxious. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A peace that doesn't make sense, that is unfathomable in the midst of a battle, is the peace of Jesus Christ. Because the world looks at us and says, how on earth can they be going through this trial with a smile on their face? How on earth can they be going through this, this difficult situation and still have peace? And still have joy because it's Christ Jesus in us. A life led by worry, a life led by fear is a life that is never satisfied. Nothing will ever be enough. Listen, we've got to make choices based on worship. <laughs> I'm going to worship him. There's a great chorus, that, a song that's another great song. that The whole song is just, this is how I fight my battles. And I remember hearing, like, what are they talking about? Like, how? But then I'm like, oh, it's them singing. They're worshiping the Lord and saying, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. But I'm surrounded by you. Worship him in the battle. Let him guide you. He will show you what you need to do. He will give wisdom. He gives divine power through Jesus. The scriptures say, 
Divine power is given to us for all things pertaining to life and godliness. So what happens next? Verse 22. We're at the battlefield now. We're, he, we're there. And what happens? It says, when they began to sing and to praise. Okay, in the front lines of battle here. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. That's the enemy there. Which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Smitten is an old word that means dead. <laughs> okay? God took care of it like he said he would. For the children of Ammon stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. So what happened is the enemy, God confused them so much, and they just started killing each other. They, they, they destroyed themselves. It says, and when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, this big problem, this huge battle, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. When they worshipped, victory Sometimes God will fight the battle, yes, like he did in this passage. Sometimes he will have you pick up a sword like David did when he cut off Goliath's head, when he picked up that sling and stones. Yes, sometimes he may do something out of the ordinary. The great story of Gideon in the Old Testament with the trumpets and the pitchers. They didn't have any weapons, and, and they just confused the enemy so much that, that they, they did the same thing these guys. They took care of themselves, killed, killed each other by accident. God does whatever he wants. He'll win the battle however he sees fit. He may have you walk around a city seven times like he did Joshua. Just walk. He just had him walk around and then yell. <laughs> and the walls came down. But he always calls you to worship. All those are different situations. This story, David and Goliath, Gideon, Joshua, all very different ways to go through a battle. But every single time, you know what there was? It was an altar built and worship was given. He always calls us to worship. Even when you feel defeated, there is victory in worship. You hear that? Even when you feel defeated, there is victory in worship. I was talking to someone recently, and they said, you know, we were having worship, and it was blessing my heart, and, you know, I had to step out because I was getting emotional. I said, I said listen, can I tell you something? There's something beautiful about when you're sitting in the chair, and we're singing worship, and we're singing about Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And we're singing, you're a good, good father, even though our life is really hard and challenging. And we're thinking like, I know he is, but it's kind of hard to believe that right now because, man, my life is just struggling. In those moments of worship, as you're trying to worship, uh, that, that song I mentioned earlier, Hallelujah Anyway, one of them says, even when I have to fight to bring you praise, I'm going to sing Hallelujah Anyway. Even when you're sitting there and you're like, oh. I said, you need to lift your hands anyway. When you don't want to, man, lift those hands and sing even louder because there's victory in worship. You'll worship to God when life doesn't make sense. I'll tell you, one, it, it honors God, but it makes the devil go crazy because he's trying to throw a curveball. He's trying to mess you up. He's trying to bring you away from God. He's trying to get you to depend upon yourself. So when you have peace and worship in the midst of battles, man, it makes him go crazy. It doesn't make sense to him. God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he'll use it for good. I've seen him do it in my life so many times. So rest in him today. 
Worship even when life doesn't make sense. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Maybe today that's you. Maybe today life isn't making sense for you. And I'm, listen, I, I hate that. If I had it my way, I had everybody in here with no issues at all, including myself. But the situations that we face in life are there for a reason. And we're called to worship when it's hard. We're called to worship when it's difficult. We're called to worship when life doesn't make sense. When you lose your job, when your marriage falls apart, when your kids, man, do something that disappoint you, when a loved one is lost, when anxiety rules your soul, when health difficulties arise, whatever it may be, fill in the blank, we are called to worship. That's the answer. That's the message. When life doesn't make sense, God, why is this happening to me? God, why are you letting this happen in my life? I've served you. I've loved you. I've given my heart to you. So why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. And God says, just worship me. Just worship me. You face the battle. I'll fight it. He is teaching you something. I have hated the battles that, that I face so often in the middle of them. I'm like, why do I have to deal with this? Why, Lord, are you doing this to me? You've called us to the Cape. You've given us a great church building. But I don't have no house. What am I supposed to do, Lord? Come on. And he says, just worship me. Just trust me, Donald. Have I ever let you down, Donald? Have I ever left you out to dry, Donald? Have I always taken care of you, Donald? And... <laughs> I had to hang my head and say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, Lord. If I'm going to sing out, Spirit, lead me, where my trust is without borders, and then a situation comes in that doesn't make sense, and I'm surprised by that, I've had to step back and look at those situations in my life, and even amidst fear, and say, you know what? God, you must be getting ready to do something amazing in my family if you're bringing us to this trial. You must be getting ready to do something amazing at Coastline if you're bringing us these challenges. Because I've had to depend solely on him. I can't do it. Maybe that's you today. You're facing a situation that you don't got the strength for. And you know what? That's a good thing. Worship him through it. Let him fight trust him. Give your life to him. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.